What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a TGIF edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host this evening, John Harris. Glad to be with you, seeing as we've been talking a lot on the radio to one another. Well, I've been talking to you. You've been listening, and I really, really appreciate all of that. But no Saturday show, no Sunday show. It's going to feel kind of naked to be out there. I get to watch practice all the way through two hours without having to be back on the radio, but I love being here. And so we have got plenty for you this evening. We are going to hear from the following exclusive one-on-ones with Eric Murray, Marlon Mack, and Obo Okoronkwo. Plus, in the lab, we'll get it going later in the show with Drew Doherty and myself. But we kick it off. If you missed this on Thursday, and you might have because the Texans weren't working out, and so maybe you felt like, hey, I got to go do, go do other things. We had a chance to catch up with GM Nick Casario and get his thoughts on the early part of training camp. Nick, your general impressions once you put the pads on, because like we all talk about, and you've said, everybody said it, it's not really football until they put the pads on. But then you put the pads on, and you start looking, going, hmm. Kind of like what I see. Have there been some things that have stood out to you while you've put the pads on from some of these guys here? Yeah, I think one of the things that's really important is when you do practice in pads, make sure everybody understands there's a right way to practice in pads so you can get a lot of productive work done. So staying on your feet, playing with good techniques, staying off the ground, not going below the knees. There's no cut blocks or anything like that. We're really not tackling the backs. But when you the offensive players have the ball, the defense is going to put pressure on the ball, which we've seen that over the past few days. So you start to see, you know, in your mind, you train your body and your mind for really what's going to happen when you get in the course of a game. So there's a little more timing, a little better execution. There's some mistakes that are going to be made or in pass protection if you don't set inside out properly or if you don't block the TE correctly. So you can start to see some of those things because there's a physical component that goes along with that. So for the most part, the players have done a good job working with each other. We really haven't had too many dust-ups or mix-ups. So we've been able to get a good three days of productive work. So excited for the next three days to see if we continue to make progress as a team. Nick, what are you seeing so far with Davis Mills and this passing attack that you're trying to put together? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, the quarterbacks have done a good job taking care of the football. I mean, Sands maybe yesterday where the the defense was able to get their hands on the ball. But overall, the decision-making has been good. The ball placement has been good. Um, I think what you have to do as a quarterback is sort of be able to take what the defense gives you. So the way our defense plays, if depending on a route, if it's a two-man concept and they're playing a split safety coverage, there may be only so many uh, areas that you can go with the football. So, okay, let's get to the back or get to the alternative receiver. So being able to see the defense, see the adjustment, understand where you need to go with the football and doing that quickly. And one of the things that our defense has done a really good job of in training camp so far in the secondary are some of the disguises. So showing one thing pre-snap and then post-snap kind of rotating to something different. So as a quarterback, you have to be able to see that process that and understand, all right, where do I need to go with the football? So for the most part, they've done a good job. All three players, um, you know, Davis has done that. JD's done that. And Kyle's done that as well. So I think yesterday, you know, there's some plays and throws that maybe we want to have back, but that's part of learning football and understanding what happened on the play. And just, I would say, mitigating the bad plays is the most important thing for the court from the quarterback's perspective. So through that lens, they've actually done a pretty good job of that so far. Nick, Mark and I were talking about this, and we sort of joked as we were talking about the receivers and, oh, it's too early to talk about the 53-man roster. But yet, I would imagine it's probably top of mind for you probably at all times. A, is it? And B, kind of how do you balance that out as you're watching practice and you want to instruct a player that maybe you don't see being on a 53-man roster, but yet you still want to see that guy get better? Is the 53-man roster on your mind at all times as you start thinking about getting ready for that week one? 
It's a great question. You're always thinking about the team, the overall composition. So some things have started to declare, declare themselves a little bit, understanding we still have, we haven't played a preseason game yet. So yep. there's see, things that we've seen to this point. There's going to be things that we see once we actually get into games. But you're always trying to plan a little bit and trying to figure out, we're going to have, call it 70 players in some capacity that we're going to want to work with when we get to the final cutdown. So we can't keep everybody. But if we can find a way to keep players that we want to continue to work with in the program, like that's part of our job and responsibility is trying to figure out the right group of players to do that with. So the final cuts are the final cuts. The 53 will be the 53. But I wouldn't say that would necessarily be a finite resolution to what the team composition is going to look like once we actually start the season. In your experience, are there players in training camp practice who look a certain way, then the lights go on, they might not look as good or the opposite? Some guys, eh, but all of a sudden, game time, and it goes up another level or two. It's a great question, Mark. It really it goes both ways. So you might have one perception or one thought about based on practice, and then you get into the game, and something happens either direction that causes you to say, all right, you know what, maybe let's go take another look at that or – What's the reason? What's the rationale behind it? Is there something that we can do either to maximize our performance better on the practice field or look good in practice, didn't play as well in the game? Okay, what happened? What's the dynamic behind it? And see if we can come up with a solution as to how we can improve whatever has happened. So it happens all throughout the league. It'll certainly happen with some of our players. Really, some players, when they just have the opportunity to play, to get on the field, there's a certain comfort level. And there's been plenty of players throughout the course of, I would say, my years who have taken advantage of their opportunity. And you really want to let the competition play itself out and not have any predetermined notions about how you think it's going to go. Nick, a lot of people are talking about the positive vibes at camp. And I know this is kind of hard to quantify, but Lovey Smith and his staff and the players, the fans and attendance, and it just seems to be a great environment and the players are responding to it the interaction with the fans can you speak to that at all and how that might be affecting the team helping the team and the fan and team synergy if you will yeah no I mean look we've had great support with the open practices I think we've had full stands for you know the practices that um, have been made been available to the public so ultimately we appreciate the support of the fans. I know Lovey's talked about their importance when we get into NRG, so it kind of all plays off one another. I think the most important thing is for our players is to have a good attitude, to have a good mindset, have a good work ethic, and have good execution. So good execution leads to good football. Good football leads to excitement, and that's where the fans can sort of interface a little bit more with the team. So it's great to interact with the fans. I've had the opportunity to go over there and just spend a little bit of time after practice, and they're very supportive, and they're very excited. And, you know, it's our responsibility to try to, to give them a product that they can be excited to to watch during the course of the season. You signing some autographs going through? <laughs> I call that the gauntlet where you walk through. And, and the I fans. try to stay out of harm's way. Nobody really wants my autograph. Have you but, signed the red? helmet yet uh, i think i've signed like one or two red helmets like so it? yeah so Do you no like it? yeah it's 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 uh, obviously there's gotten a lot of positive yeah. feedback it yeah. sounds like so i mean who knew so, i mean who knew oh, i'm not a, a design questions aren't for me so i'm not <laughs> mr fashion not at all so i'll try to stay out of that no so. okay yeah but it's gonna give you an energy boost the red <laughs> helmet all right we reached that time of the program where i asked the <laughs> proverbial question about the rookies but i think it's important nick because in training camp you might see a rookie on a day flash and then, I don't know, maybe he misses practice the next day for something. Maybe he's dinged up, whatever. It feels like the most successful rookies have been the ones that are just there every day because there's such an experience of being in an NFL practice and going through this process. 
the rookie group that you have now, what have you seen from them from that regard? Yeah, every day is an opportunity to get better. So if you approach it through that lens, I'd say for the most part, they've been on the field. They've been active participants. You know, we've had a player or two. We've had a manager a little bit. I mean, Tristan just started practicing yesterday. TQ's kind of been mm -hmm. in and out. Um, and then there's been kind of a group of players that's been on the field every day. If you're on the field every day, then you have the opportunity to improve. You have the opportunity to get the reps. You have the opportunity to experience the play. You have the opportunity to watch yourself, what happened on the play, go back, study. So from that perspective, you know, it's, I'd say it's been fairly positive. I think the attitude of the group has been good. They work really hard. They say less and do more, which is something that you like to see, especially from younger players, understanding that they haven't experienced any of this on a lot of different levels. So they've embraced the program, they've embraced the competition, and they've embraced the challenge and the opportunity that comes along being out there day after day and being consistent with your performance because ultimately consistency is what's going to win in this league. Well, last year you talked about we're building a program here and the class you drafted last year, now they're in their sophomore season, so to speak, in this league and it seems like they're handling themselves very well what about them yeah i'd say all five of them have definitely improved relative to where they were called a year ago at this time so it speaks to their attitude it speaks to the work ethic it speaks to the work that they put in, in the off-season program with you know mike eubanks and the sports performance group and staff and they've been available and they've been on the field they've reshaped their bodies they've gotten stronger they're more experienced they're, they have a routine that's been established and now they're able to go out there and just focus on playing football and improving, improving as a player. And and all five players you've seen kind of each day, I would say, remnants and, you know, samples of that. So the goal is to continue to do that. And I think Nico mentioned something yesterday when he got asked a question. It's really about stacking good days on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And really, that's the most important thing. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Kind of live in the present. Focus on what you have to get accomplished that day. Then once you get through that day, kind of rewind what happened. All right, go to the next day and see if you can continue to make progress because that's how you're ultimately going to get better as a player. When you get done with practice, Nick, and you guys come off the field and you, you pull up your iPad or computer and you go to watch practice, are you looking through an evaluation lens? Are you looking through, because we know you've got the coaching background too, you look at it through a coaching background, hey, they should have done this on this particular play. And how tough is that to be watching for an evaluation, but then you see something from an X and O standpoint, you're like, wait a second, we should have done this or they should have done that. How going through the film after you get through practice, how long does all that take and how do you kind of balance those two aspects? Yeah, no, it's it, it's really it's looking at everything. I mean, I'll watch every play, every drill, watch a kicking game and just try to you're looking at a number of different things. So we've run a lot of team plays. So when the team plays, you're looking at the actual play call. What's a call on offense? What's a call on defense? Do we execute the assignment? Are players in the right spot? If something is amiss, all right, what happened? Maybe making a little note. And then, you know, whether it's Pep or the coach or whomever, just say, hey, you know, what about what happened on this play? What are your thoughts? Because sometimes you make a judgment about what happened and you attribute, you know, to one player. It might be about another player. Right. So you just want to make sure you have the overall comprehensive understanding. So you're looking at it through that lens. And then you're looking at it, I would say, from a competition standpoint. Like I'd say the punt return drill that, that uh, Frank and Sean did yesterday was a really good drill because you're able to see – I would say a lot of different factors, yeah. engage blocks, defeat blocks, run. You see their short space quickness. You see the ability to get off blocks and play with power. They play with good body position. You see some speed and you see the players that want to compete. I think, I mean, Frank was, I don't think he was more excited about practice than he oh, was all year. I mean, this he is, stopped me on the way that, over. That was like his favorite drill. So he yeah. stopped me on the way over and he had a smile from ear to ear. And I was like, <clears throat> caddy to canary. And he's like, 
hey, let me tell you what we're doing today, practice. And like in 30 <laughs> seconds, he told me, and then he took off running like a 4-3-40 just to go out to see well, that Well, and it really, if you just think about the drill, so it was one-on-one, yeah, -on -one, awesome. punt return versus punt protection. So it really comes down to technique and does the player yeah. do it the right way. It's not about scheme. But ultimately, that's what football boils down to. Can you execute the fundamentals the proper way? Can you play with the right body position? Are right. your feet outside the framework? Do you have your hands inside? Do you play with knee bend? Can you get in a good position, um, trail technique position on a punt return? So you're looking at fundamentals, and it takes scheme out of it, which ultimately that's what kind of football boils down to. Boy, he's one of those guys I felt like Man. running through a brick wall after listening to him yesterday. <laughs> All you Ross. John Carroll guys, my goodness. Oh my they had a picture. John, it got retweeted on my timeline. There's like six of you from John Carroll. I'm like, man. One like, of them was a visitor, so he's yeah. not part of the program yeah. yet. So. I met one of your sports science guys in the hallway. He might have been new this year or something. What is the sports science department, those personnel members? Can you share with us some of the things they do? Yeah, it's a really an awesome group. Um, we've hired uh, some folks here over the spring. Um, you know, we brought some people on board here over the past two years. So they're looking at it just from a, I would say, a player performance perspective and looking at some of the volumes and some of the the speeds and some of the loads that take place during practice. And really they take that information, disseminate that, disseminate it to, you know, myself, to Lovey, and so we can evaluate. And it's really a, I would say a comprehensive approach and just a collaborative effort to make sure if maybe there's some things that we need to do in practice to modify or adjust. But they're kind of experts in their area. So we really lean on them and listen to their input and ultimately, you know, try to take make take the information and make the right decision. But have a lot of really, I'd say, gifted people, very skilled, very knowledgeable about their specific subject. How long did it take for you when you first start hearing about sports science and some of the things that, that the people in that realm were talking about for you to not go, ah, come on, it's football. How long did it kind of take you to get over <laughs> that sort of hurdle? Because I would imagine there are going to be a lot of skeptics that are like, wait a second, we got this. We practice, we're fine. How long did it kind of take you to get over that hurdle? Yeah, no, I mean, really, it's just, the sport has evolved in that area, and I think the more progressive you are in your thought process, the better. And I think a lot of it is about education and just understanding some of the dynamics that go into it. So I'd say from a personal perspective, it was educating myself so you can ask the right questions and not really jump to any sort of conclusion. So there's a lot of data and information that's available, and our job is to try to use it to the best of our ability to make the right decision for the team. Nick, how much water should I drink before I go out to the field in the morning? And should I have salt in it or something? What do I do here? Yeah, well, if you're going to sweat and you're going to lose a lot, then you should probably have some type of electrolyte or, you know, I, I can't show it here, but, you know, yeah. I have some electrolytes or some yeah. things that I drink before practice. But staying hydrate, hydrated is important mm -hmm. um, because of how the body responds, especially in our, our weather, is important. And it, it's important. It's we're kind of laughing, but all of this is really related. Yes, it, right. it, and it factors in the overall performance of the player on the field. So our job is to educate them on to as to why this is important. Not drink a bunch of water because you know we want yeah. to try to. There's actually a science and data that suggests if you do these things, your body's going to be adequately prepared. And then uh, as well after practice, here are the things that you have to do to help aid in your recovery. I bet those boys at Junction would have liked for Bear Bryant to get that information from the sports. No, how about the Lux member we had who was coached by Lovey Smith yeah. and Big Sandy, and he, he was even... saying you guys don't need water. Yeah, you need to play Lovey harder. Was Bear Bryant back in the day, Nick. Uh, <laughs> and we have a lot of old school people in football, yeah. but yes. uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Very much. Has there ever been a moment where you're like, "Whoa, I just met such and such"? Because you've been around him, and at some point, you don't take it for granted. But I mean, heck, you're around Tom Brady almost every single day. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. But was there ever a kind of Hall of Fame? Somebody that went into Hall of Fame at some point where you're like, wow, that was really cool. I just met X. 
Yeah, no, I've had the good fortune of being around a lot of good players. Um, I think one thing that we actually did, uh, we actually made a trip to uh, the Football Hall of Fame. Uh, I forget what year it was. And I think just that overall experience kind of puts in perspective, let's say, the, the level of greatness and the standard of excellence that is required to be really great in this league. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say that experience more than anything else. Because yeah. when you're around players and team and different people, you try not to get too caught up in that because ultimately right. we're working together and trying to put together a, you know, a good product on the field. So, you know, fortunate to have been able to be around a lot of good players over the course of my 20 some odd years in the league. But I'd say when you walk into the Hall of Fame and you see some of those busts mm-hmm. and you go, wow, I mean, holy cow. I mean, we actually, um, you know, Bill had a really good, has a really good relationship with Jim Brown. Um, I'll never forget the, the first time that Jim kind of came out to one of our practices. I can't remember if it was, at the Super Bowl or wherever it was, but I would say his presence and demeanor. Yeah, I mean, when he walks in, you're going, "Whoa!" Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this guy was a badass. Yeah, yeah, but he's very dignified, and you know, he's just got a presence about him. So, and I was, you know, at the time, I forget how I wasn't in the league for that long, but going, "Wow, this guy like is pretty impressive." Jim Brown. Yes, it's always the people. Am I right that you? were fan, a fan of before you got into the business that strike you the most in a way, right? Yeah, because when you're growing struck. up as a kid, you're watching. That, look, Jim Brown, like I was, I wasn't even a thought at right, that time. Right. But then you go back and you see some of the highlights. The you're legend. Going, Holy cow. And then I would say from Jim's perspective, I'd say the impact that he had on the game in a short period of time and then what he's done off the field in his kind of post-football career, mm-hmm. I would say, speaks volume to who he is just as a human being. Is Otto would, Graham the most underrated old-time quarterback in NFL history, maybe? Uh, it's probably, <laughs> are we going to have like another draft like we did like last <laughs> yeah. season? So. Yeah, we'll do that another time. <laughs> I like Otto. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to the rest of the practices. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There he is, General Manager Nick Casario. We had a fun time talking uh, with Nick, and I love the story he told about Jim Brown. That was very, very cool. And we talked to him on on Thursday, which Thursday morning, which there was the Jacksonville-Las Vegas game last night, and a guy that he's very close to, and actually the brother of Ben McDaniels, wide receivers coach for the Texans, Josh McDaniels, uh, coached in that game last night for the Las Vegas Raiders in his home high school stadium that uh that is very very cool but i off the air i love talking with nick i would love to talk to him about um just the history of the game and i know his former boss was a big 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 history of the game guy bill belichick very very much so but we had a blast uh chatting it up with nick casario and it was so much so we always record shows we very rarely do it live we did the first day of training camp and that's kind of obvious because we're out of our element we weren't in studio like we always are whenever we're in studio we're always recording the interview so when we got to the very end there and mark says hey thanks nick i completely and totally forgot we were live i started to say something and i went oh gosh we're live as mark was sending it to a break thank god he sent it to a break right at that moment because i almost started saying something uh to nick i thought we were you know, doing a recording like we had always done, but nope, we were doing it live, uh, and it was fun. And Nick is always great to have on, and you can hear him again with us. So I got to check the dates. I'll give you the dates later in the show, but Nick will be back on with us. I believe it's going to be Wednesday of next week. So we'll get his updates as we get ready for the Saints coming in 
on August 13th, Saturday the 13th, the first preseason game of the year at NRG Stadium is going to be a blast. Can't wait, but eh, we got a little bit of work to do before then. And three key guys getting that work done, you're going to hear from next. Eric Oboe and Marlon, right here on Texans All Access. 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 Welcome back to Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And each and every day after practice, we get an opportunity to talk to a player one-on-one, mano a mano, correct? I hope I said that correct. Because I used to say mano a mano. That's man, that's man and man. But mano a mano is man to man, right? I hope I got that right because... Miss Elfson, my Spanish two teacher, would be very, very disappointed with me um, wherever uh, she may be. So I hopefully got that right. Either way, we got exclusive one-on-ones every day. And we got no one, not two, but three for you this evening. And we are going to start with Obo Okoronkwo. And I'm telling you right now, 45 has had the best camp I've seen. Now today, today being Friday, he was not at practice and not going at it. So I hope he's okay. I hope there's no injury and, you know, maybe they just give him a day of rest. I don't know. He's been fantastic. He's done some of the more physical things, most physical things I think I've ever seen in a training camp. And when you bring together a young man from A-Leaf, you might as well have him interview with a young man from Houston, a.k.a. Drew Doherty. Let's do it right here. A little Drew's Dozen with Obo Okoronkwo. Drew, take it away. Obo Karankwo joins me now, and this is fun because it's homegrown talent talking to me. You are from Ailey. you're from Houston, let's start there. How sweet is it to be back in the place you grew up? Uh, man, it's a surreal feeling, you know, just being able to be here, see all the people I grew up with. It's been real, it's been real cool. What's the first place you went back to that you had to get back to when you moved back home? I went to my high school. I went to Ailey Taylor. You know, checked out my old stomping grounds. It was cool. What was the reception like? They were definitely happy to see me. <laughs> For sure, definitely happy to see me. Who were some of your coaches that you love the most, that you love seeing when you got back? A lot of them are gone, but Coach Brian Randall, he was uh, my defensive coordinator and head coach when I left, and then John Lanza, the defensive line coach. But they both uh, went to other high schools. You went to high school there, then you go to Oklahoma for college, been in the league, you're an adult now, and you come back to the place you grew up. How different do you see the city versus back when you were leaving high school? Well, I didn't have a license back in high school, so I wasn't driving everywhere. I didn't know how big the city was, you know. Um, It's so big, and then at the same time, it's so small because everybody knows each other. But it's been really cool just to be back. Being an adult in the city is a little different than being a teenager in the city, you know, just being able to go to different restaurants, just seeing how how many, uh, how the infrastructure has changed so much. It's been cool. What's been your favorite spot? That you've, that you've found since you got back? Favorite spot. Uh, I don't want to give any shout-outs, but, but, Jewish Society is so good. I eat there like three times a week. Oh, and Joey's. I go to Joey's uptown, too. Those are two of my spots that I, I, I frequent at. Good to know. All right, so you like those two spots. You like being back. Let's say for the rest of your life, when you walk into a room and they're going to play an entrance song for you, what song do you want them to play? Ooh, that's a, that's a question. Return of the Mech. <laughs> really? <laughs> I love that. Old school, huh? Yeah, for sure. That's a good one. Do you ever mess around with Marlon Mack and, and sing that with him? I could. He's a cool guy, so I, I, I'm sure he's hip to that. That's a song that kind of just it stands the test of time. Yeah, right? for sure. Just a timeless song. What's the last meal that you cooked? 
Last meal I cooked, air fryer salmon. I used some lemon pepper. I put a lemon on there. Well, I don't know if that did anything for the taste, but it looked cool. <laughs> What's your go-to dish that you cook? Go-to dish? I would say uh, I make a I make a nice uh, cilantro lime rice with uh, with some garlic shrimp. You know, I had some asparagus, some potatoes. That's that's my go-to. Look out, Papados, man! That sounds good. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what's the last gift you gave somebody? My last gift that I gave somebody. Mm, I'm, a, I'm a big gift giver, so could I actually have one? My friend, one of my best friend's birthdays today. It's in my locker right now. I was gonna drop it off to him after I buy him a lens for his camera. Okay, I'll we'll hold off on saying who it is, and we'll wait to to publish this until okay, it yeah, goes out. Sure, sure. But a lens for camera—that's that's no small gift. That's oh, pretty yeah. nice. I mean, he he's a he's a really uh, talented photographer, so you know. I always want to give him more tools for his tool belt. That's awesome, man. Now, you're, we got to get into photography with you because you're a hell of a photographer. I, that's how I met you. I was in Las Vegas at the draft backstage. You were doing, we were waiting on the two picks who wound up not being you know, in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You were backstage shooting some stuff for the NFL, and it was awesome. I mean, how much fun did you have just doing that at Vegas? Oh, that was so fun, you know, uh, being able to shoot those guys and talk to them about just the process and just the experience of being at the draft. It was really cool. Do you ever find yourself after practice, before practice, when you're walking out and you see all these big lenses, like, I wonder what that is or I know what that is. I mean, do you ever, you ever thinking photography when you're, when you're not actually on the practice field doing stuff? Oh, it's funny. Sometimes I walk out here and I'll be like, oh, that's a Sony A7R III. I have that too. <laughs> or I'll be like, oh, that's a nice lens. I wonder what glass that has, you know, that I have to snap back like, trying to go to work. <laughs> yeah, it's distracting. I can, I can imagine. You just want to ring with the Rams. You want to ring, win rings here with the Texans. But we got to talk plan a little two. bit. Plan two is what you say. I like that. What was the ring ceremony like? How sweet was that for you being a part of all that? Man, the ring ceremony was just so, it was so amazing, man. Uh, just being able to just celebrate with like your coaches like the guys you go out with you know that's opportunity a lot of guys won't get to have you know just to be able to see their coach the fun side of their coaches you know but when you win that brings out the fun side of everybody so it was really cool just to be able to celebrate with my old coaches my old teammates that that one last time that we'll all be together you know yeah that's really cool and if there's a spectrum of a guy getting the ring putting it in his closet and never wearing it again to a guy who wears it all the time. Where are you going to fall on that spectrum as far as how much you're going to wear this ring? I'm going to I'm going to bring it out. It's going to be like it's going to be like my Sunday's best. I'm going to bring it out when when it's time to bring it out, you know? Nothing wrong with that. You got to bring it out when you got to, right? Yes, sir. All right, Oboe, we could go on and on and on. I really do appreciate the time. We can't wait to see you guys bring some rings here to Houston. Welcome back to H-Town, man. We're happy for you. Man, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, man. I'm telling you that guy has been all kinds of phenomenal in practice and Hopefully he can get back on the field very, very soon and we can see him in those preseason games because he is going to make the people in A-Leaf very, very proud. So, okay, with Obo Okoronkwo and with Drew Doherty, you had two Houston homeboys. Now, Houston is my home, but I was born in Wisconsin. Eric Murray grew up in Wisconsin. So let's do that next. I had a chance to catch up with the Texans' safety Eric Murray, we talked about any number of things right here. All right, John Harris catching up with, I should say fellow safety. Because I played safety way back in the day. I know I don't look like it, Eric Murray, <laughs> but I did. I had the skills. You got more skills than that. How's it going? Second year in this system. How much did that help you being in a system for a consecutive year like that? Um, it definitely helped with some familiarity with the, you know, the concepts and stuff, and you able to play faster once you knock the rust off and, uh, it's just easier to convey some of the problems to the younger guys and stuff like that. So I really like it. As a veteran, and I watch, 
there are so many things when you think back to a rookie and you think, man, I was doing things by the book. This is what the playbook and the scheme told me to do. But as a veteran, you kind of feel yourself going, I know what my responsibility is, but I'm going to trust this hunch. I see this. I might do this. You do that a little bit more as a veteran. Not like you're going out solo yeah, and doing yeah, your yeah. thing, but you're just trusting your instincts a little bit more. Um, you definitely pick up on the keys and tendencies. And once you've got your keys down and you know it's a for sure tendency, you definitely feel a little risky out there. <laughs> Go get the football. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. Coach Lovey loves Zach. Lovey Smith takes over as head coach. I don't know if you and I have had a chance to talk about that. What did that mean for you? What did that mean for the team to bring him back as a head coach? Um, I thought it was an important step to move forward and uh, bring him back as a head coach. I mean, he's a reputable reputable coach. Uh, he's been in the league a long time, and he's done it before. So his, his track record is proven, and I'm glad we did that. As a veteran, you got some young dudes, maybe guys that have come from other teams. What's it like in that secondary now with that mix of guys back there? Some guys were here last year and got a chance to know each other and bomb, but now you bring some young dudes into the fray. How's that secondary room coming together? Uh, it's coming together pretty well. I think everybody's gelling the weather really, get, really well. Uh, even the young guys, it feel like they've been here for a while because it's just so, many, so much carryover now. Yeah. So it's like uh, it, it don't feel like a drop-off or anything like that, and everybody's you know, coming together. What have you guys' as defense been doing well thus far, in your opinion, at training mm -hmm. camp? Uh, just vision and the punch outs, man. The punch outs been crazy. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, but just getting that ball and, and, and really taking the ball away rather than just waiting for the offense to give it to us. I kind of think that's sort of freeing in some sense. I know we're all taught, you know, you wrap up, but then to come in there and dude's wrapped up and you're literally just taking a Mike Tyson punch and knocking yeah. it out, that's going to be a fun way to play in some sense, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And it just take the wind out of the sails of the offense. You know, they get momentum and they get hitting play after play after play. And once that ball hit the ground, man, it, it really knocked the wind out of them. So I like that. I had asked Eric that question about being a veteran, kind of playing some hunches a little bit. You could also do that in the second year of a system when you know it a little bit better. Like, hey, I know where I need to be on this particular play, so maybe I can slow play some things. Maybe I might show the quarterback my eyes, and I'm really not doing this, or maybe I'm going to give the receiver some eyes, but I'm really trying to get the quarterback to throw me the football, those kind of things. I started seeing Eric, and I started seeing, I've seen Eric do those things that he's gotten comfortable uh, in this defense playing at the safety position. I mean, look, in 2020, he had a, he was playing everywhere. I mean, I felt bad for the guy. He should have been at safety. But he was all over the place having to do a lot of different things. In 2021, he settled in at safety, played a lot pretty well, and then he came back in 2022, settled in at safety as well. All right, let's finish up and watch this. You had Obo Okoronkwo and Drew Doherty. Both grew up in Houston. You had myself and Eric Murray originally me from Wisconsin, Eric Murray from Wisconsin. Marlon Mack is from South Florida. Mark Vandermeer got to South Florida and cut his teeth at the University of Miami. So that's the closest I could get with that comparison. But the voice of the Texans did catch up with the running back, Marlon Mack, who has had a really solid training camp. Here's what these two had to say. All right, how's the camp going for you so far, Marlon? Uh, camp's going well, man. Getting used to the, playing football once again with the guys. Getting these pads on, begging, man. Getting back in the flow of football, getting the body used to it. All the bangers and bruises and getting the body healthy. Camp in Indianapolis versus camp in Houston. Uh, still hot tempo, a lot of banging. A little more heat down here. More sweating. More mentally focused down here, too, also. 
What is it like to be with a divisional opponent? I mean, you squared off and had some big games against the Texans. Yeah, uh, just just a different vibe. But now I'm on the other opposite side. So same thing. That I, I used to play for going against Texans. I got to play against the coach. How special will it be to go against them on opening day? Uh, it'll be very special, man. Uh, old teammates, man, playing with the guys I used to play in practice with. But now I'm actually on the opposite side. So they're gonna be going 110. I'm gonna go 110, and we just all still love after the game. How hard is the pass protection part of? your position, especially for the young guys. I know you're a veteran, but that phase of the game? Uh, very hard. I mean, that's probably the most hardest thing to get used to, coming from the college to the NFL level. But once you got a group of guys, leaders up front of the O-line um, who help you out, like uh, JB, guys just help you, coach you to it, coach DB, just just keep step, step, step by step every day, just getting used to it. I think it'll be pretty good after a while. What's the mindset when you're carrying the ball in this environment? You guys are in full pads for this practice, uh, but you know you're not going to get tackled. Yeah. You're going to get some thud, yeah. and they're trying to take the ball away anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, I always be uh, be on 10 because they punch in the even when you jog it back to the huddle, man. I always got to protect it. Uh, that's what uh, Coach Levy's teaching them guys, man. Even when I'm walking back to the huddle or the sideline and I got a ball in my hand, they punching. So I just got to stay alert and be on my toes every time. What is the rest of your day like after practice? You guys practice 8 to 10 every morning. Yeah. You have a big day ahead of you with meetings. What is that like? Uh, so right now, once we get done, probably do a little extra work, but then head in. Got to get recovery in. After recovery a little bit, uh, we actually got to lift. Then once we lift, we get lunch, and then we try to chip to, to meetings. And once meetings start like 1, 2, and then we'd be meeting all the way to like six. And then after that, walkthroughs and things like that the rest of the day. How much sleep do you get at night? I mean, do you get enough to rejuvenate and everything? This is pretty taxing. Uh, every yeah, every day I try to get like eight plus. Uh, be to bed probably like 10, wake up at like 6 a.m. Or probably like 5.45, but I always try to be to bed or in bed at least nine to like 10 so I get some sleep. As you've gotten advanced in your career, have you changed the way you take care of your body, what you eat, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, definitely. Certain certain things you don't eat before a game, uh, fire food and all that, but you just got to know. I take care of everybody, get massages, um, everything from treatment, ice, all that. You got to take care of everything. All right, Marlon, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. All right, thank you. Well, I love what Marlon Mack is bringing to this running back room, and I love what he's bringing to this field. He looks fresh. He looks sharp. He looks very, very good. Now, can he recapture what he had three years ago in 2019? But it's hard. But he looks about as good as I can remember him. He looks excellent in uh, all drills. But when he gets the ball, boy, that burst, that juice is there for Marlon Mack. The juice is also there for a little in the lab. And that's coming up next with myself and Drew Doherty right here on Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. We got one final segment this Friday edition of Texans All Access. It's Shorty here to finish up. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, your host, going around the NFL, and it's all about alternate helmet time. We know we've talked about the battle red helmet the Texans are going to be wearing November 3rd and on the second day of practice, July 30th, on the back to Saturday for the NFL. The Eagles unveiled a black helmet. Ooh, looks kind of sharp, I gotta admit. The Jets also unveiled a black helmet now the green on the black helmet for the Jets I don't know the Eagles I think did it right they just took the green off altogether and went black with the white Eagles wings I think it looks pretty sharp I think these alternate uniforms are going to look absolutely brilliant they're going to look awesome the Cincinnati Bengals unveiled a white Bengal helmet they've teased this for about 10 days now 
and they finally put the helmet out. It looks pretty sharp. They're going to wear those with the white pants, white jerseys, and go full-on stormtroopers. Wow, wow, wow. That's going to look nice. A couple of Ravens placed on the early training camp pup list, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, in addition to Pro Bowl tackle Ronnie Stanley. Ravens started camp already, and it will start for your Texans next Friday. A week from today, can't wait. Big thanks to Mark, to Drew, to Quentin Demps, to my man Austin Mendez, and all of you for listening. We'll see you next time, and as always, go Texans.